This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, this is the day we play this song, Brett. You forgot, they actually talk the 21st of September. Earth, wind, and fire. Damn right, man. of getting down, man. Who doesn't like Earth, Wind, and Fire, man? Brett, are you about to... Yeah, I'm going to say, is it me? It's not me. No, I like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Did you have to think about that? I was trying to think of some right-wing Republican who would say it would be Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot of people. Oh, that music. No, yeah, okay, stop. That's some pro-climate change song. Wait a minute. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wait a minute here. What do they got against water? All right. (laughs) It is the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Matt, Brett here, as you can hear. Uh, guest-free today, but we've got a lot of things to get to, that's for sure. Uh, how are you today? Have things been going well here? Yeah, going well over here with me. How about you? Nah, nah, it's horrible. But, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that person. What, I, what I'm going to uh, be here, we're going to start off today with one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. I don't know what David Brooks was thinking um, in regards to... The the post he made yesterday, and you know David Brooks is New York Times yep. conservative columnist, right? He he makes a post. This is just the post he has, and I'm just going to read this to you. This meal just cost me seventy eight dollars at Newark Airport. This is why Americans think Americans think the economy is terrible. Now the meal he has, which by the way is the saddest male meal I've seen in a while. It's a hamburger. What can only be described as a handful of salad and some fries, and not a lot of fries, and <laughs> what looks to be a good solid double of, of scotch or whiskey, some sort of brown liquor. Mm. Now, that probably drove up the cost. <laughs> what are you talking about? That is that's is that seventy of the dollars? Well, of course, put it to the internet to say, okay, wait a second here. What are you talking about? They they immediately have come on out there. This is a restaurant. They've tracked down the restaurant in the Newark airport. The hamburger fry handful of salad combo meal is $17. That's what it's listed as, I think. I don't know if you bought it from someone off the street or something like that. But if you buy it in the Newark airport, it's $17, which either means he's lying his butt off or how much of that liquor have you had? Because, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but when I did, you go get to an airport, it's like 20 bucks for a drink. Yeah. It's not cheap. 
They've got you. <laughs> they, they, you want to take the edge off, it's going to cost you some money. So did he have like three drinks? And this is I hate life. Yeah, that uh, seems very expensive for a burger and fries, even like a high-end one. Well, it, 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 78 bucks. Well, okay, actually, that's a great question. Okay, if I was in town here, I had a burger, fry, handful of salad combo meal. Is there any place in town it would cost me 78 bucks? I can't think of anything. <sighs> Convention Grill wouldn't, no. Park Tavern wouldn't. Well, I mean, I want to be careful there. No one's offering the handful of salad. <laughs> it's like... I got two handfuls for you for a buck or a dollar more. Two hand scoops uh, for the price of one. Yeah, there you go. Two Pretty scoops special. of flavor there, right there. Um, no, I can't think of anyone that. I mean, I mean, I go to. Okay, I'm going to guess one of the nicer restaurants has a haughty totty burger, but would that even still be seventy eight dollars? Because I mean, I so I'm, I'm thinking like someone like Manny's. I think they've got a burger on the menu, but I think it's like thirty bucks. It's prime, you know, it's it's like, you know, uh, beef tenderloin, ground beef tenderloin. It's a really nice burger, but still is not 78. <laughs> it is kind of sad you're eating in the Newark airport. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's no love anywhere else. You're, where are you traveling to? What, don't tell me you traveled someplace which has better restaurants than the Newark airport and you decided to eat in the Newark airport with your booze. Yeah, it's he's he, he's either lying his butt off, and and it could quite easily be the case. He he could just be lying, which is kind of a stupid thing to lie about. And and you know, but you know, it it, it is David Brooks, so I'm not going to put it past him. Um, the, the it, it I, I I think the other thing is we could be just you know he's he just didn't realize oh yeah someone will figure out this is actually. Because okay, so it's seventy eight dollars. He said the meal was seventeen, so that gets us down to sixty one dollars. Three of those drinks with a tip could be a very generous tipper. Or you know, he's the guy. That guy screams. You know, you can keep the change uh, when it's actual change. That's the kind of guy he seems to be. Probably ordered sixty dollars of booze. Then he has sixty dollars for the booze. That's well. It's a mere. How can Biden be ruining us? This uh, my personal favorite was the guy that posted a picture of a package of Oscar Mayer bologna and a bottle of, of of tequila, and he says, "Look, my bologna sandwich, my kid's bologna sandwich, cost me forty three dollars." <laughs> Darn you, Joe Biden! <laughs> oh, David, you're not. You know, you're you're going to. You'll be fine. You'll recover from this. But you're just being. St- Stupid man, if I can be honest, just being really, really stupid. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Speaking of stupid, if I may, uh, Aaron Rupar. Oh, excuse me, no, no, not Aaron Rupar. Ron uh, Filipowski posted a sensational audio clip. That, um, by the way, can you pull it up on Twitter? It's on my just my regular feed on Twitter. Uh, it's Ron Filipowski. It's it, it's a it's a guy in Iowa that is is speaking to an RSBN, which someone said is the right you know something network. It's, it's a video implant. It's it's about four or five down on my on my page there. So if you can find it there, don't worry. Old Iowa guy ain't going to be swearing. All right, so we're good to play this. Elon's website is going it, a little is, slow here. Well. 
<laughs> it's we're on death watch as it is. So <laughs> is the iron lung fired up at this point on on the Twitter the Twitter bot? Um, we have to understand the idiot nature of the right at times, and that there there is a stupidity which exists which is beyond boneheaded and it is beyond comprehension. We we good? Yep, we're good. All right. We're we're going to get the eventually to SROs with this because I got something to point out with this in a second. But let's go ahead and play this little gem of a clip. This is once again an Iowa old white guy Iowa farmer on some right-wing tertiary quadriary broad right-wing broadcast network talking about how excited he is to be at a Trump rally. Okay, go ahead. I just had to purchase a new car because a deer totaled my other one. And it just, everything, the cost of everything is way too high. And insurance, medical insurance as well. Well, fortunately, I'm on Medicare, so that helps out a lot right there. And I'm a veteran, so I've got, I've got my VA benefits. So I just. There you go. Um, so let, let's, let's just unpack this little gem. This guy complaining about Socialist Party as a Democrat's uh, ruining America. And this is kind of the whole thing. And this little clip we played from him is, is him there. So once again, he, he himself hit a deer with his car, which, okay, that's on you, dude. That's your mistake. You hit the deer. That's not me. It's not the Joe Biden. It's unless you put your blank Biden flag in front of your car, maybe I might, you know, but that's just once again your own stupidity. You may uh, maybe I'll give you the, the fact that the Iowa, the government of Iowa and the Republicans down there have basically gutted a good chunk of the DNR's Iowa DNR's budget. So maybe the, the deer curtailing endeavors are not being funded anymore, so there's more deer. But once again, that's the Republicans are the pro- problem there. But needless to say, personal responsibility, dude, you hit the deer. Not me, not Brett, not anyone here. You did. That being said, you're complaining about the price of cars and somehow implying that the government is somehow responsible into this problem. Cost of everything so expensive. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Joe Biden doesn't set the price of cars in the United States, does he? That's that's the free market, right? Well, there's that special socialism. Yeah, that's there. right, man. No, he does not. We do not. These are these are set by the private business car manufacturers. And by the way, funny quick story on the side. If we cut every federal tax penalty fee that goes along with a car tomorrow, do you think cars would actually cost you less tomorrow? Of course not. The car dealers themselves would say, hey, we'll just still keep charging them $36,000, $40,000 for a car, and we'll just pocket the rest of it. Thank you very much. So, no. You had to buy a car because you were an idiot and you hit a deer. And by the way, I don't know if you should be driving. Let's. I'm. That's looking at the video of this guy. I don't. We should probably check and see his license is, is valid. So government bad because he hit a deer, and then he had to buy a new car. Bad government. But then the twist. <laughs> 
Thank God for the government with my Medicare and, and, and the VA benefits. Thank God they were there for me. This is this is a freaking Greek tragedy going on, man. There's there's back and forth all over the place. Can I point out, you're at a rally for the guy who wants to cut those benefits, which you just praised for keeping you alive. You're an idiot, sir. <laughs> with, with, without a better way to say it. And I know that might be someone say, well, that's kind of harsh. No, he is. He is. That's an idiot. I feel sorry that you hit the deer, but at no point do I hear you saying, well, I screwed up and I hit a deer, so I had to go buy a new car and I wish I didn't have to do that. Boy, that was pricey, but, you know, it is what it is. Okay, fine. I want to tell you how expensive things are, but then to so quickly get to a point of why government is important in Medicare and the VA, because if not for them, you would have never survived your privatized medical bills. This is the delusion that encapsulates a lot of Republicans today. These made-up realities that they use to somehow justify their irrational arguments against government, Democrats, whatever the case may be. In this case, you have a deranged Iowa farmer who seems to be on the warpath against deers <laughs> in, the, in the Iowa area. Watch out, kids. Who doesn't want who, – who basically, because of his own mistake, had to go buy a car and is trying to blame someone else for that cost. No, that's on you, dude. If you drove a tractor off a cliff, that's not – you can't complain about the cost of the tractor. Oh, I had to replace the tractor. I, you know, I basically you know, dr- drove off the cliff. That was pricey. Thanks, Joe Biden. Might as well, you might as well blame Joe Biden for, a, I don't know, a $78 three-drink hamburger meal at the Newark airport. Mm. Handful of salad sounds good right now. I'll give you another great example of this. There is There are many Republicans today who literally think that there are abortions happening up to 10 to 15 days after the birth of a child. They think that that's what it is, that there are there's thousands of these abortions happening after the child has been born, which that would actually be called murder. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, think, they think in hospitals that doctors are, you know, I guess Freddy Kruegering babies – because they just want to they, – they're t- so desperate to turn this anger against them overturning Roe v. Wade into some kind of noble cause. So they've created a ludicrous beyond ludicrous argument that babies are being murdered after they're being born when a mom says, eh, I don't really want it. And this is happening. This is happening. Matt, this is actually happening. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. And reality is abortions in the third trimester are incredibly rare, mainly because most people who get to the third trimester want to have a child. And the ones that unfortunately don't want to have can have a child are generally not because they don't want to have a child, but because they have medical reasons. There's a problem with the fetus or else the death of the mother, potentially, that they have to abort the child because the, the wife, the life of the mother is in jeopardy. 
But you see, is they don't want that reality to be out there. They want it to be these blood-sucking murderers. They're, they'll kill a baby. I, ki- I killed a deer with my car, and they made me pay for another car. How dare they? Oh, by the way, thanks for the medical care. I appreciate that. That's, that's a real problem. I really appreciate that. I'll give you another one. Who is the who is the the, the idiot that was in that movie about uh, the Sound of Freedom? The the, the oh god, oh, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. Apparently, he makes the comment. I saw one of those videos where they were murdering a child, and they took the, it was endochrome. You know, they take the, the the this secret fluid out of the out of the child right as it dies, and then they inject it into Hollywood celebrities so they can live forever. Now, mind you, that story sounds like it might not, you know, stack up correctly against a, a basic fact check. But the first thing I keep saying is, did you call the police when you saw the murder video of the child? Well, we don't know. Well, why didn't you? You witnessed a murder. Why didn't you call the police and report this as a crime? Well, you know, it was just a video that was sent to me. Still, if it was sent to you, why did you not call the police and report a crime? Because it wasn't about the crime. It wasn't about whether or not Iowa guy gets a free car. It's not about whether or not there are actual murders happening of babies in hospitals. It's all about I'm going to try to create a narrative which I've got to turn the other side into some sort of evil biblical creature that's murdering babies, killing people, killing children and taking their endochrome so they can live forever. Wait a second. What was that last part again? Uh, never mind. We'll just, like I said, we'll just, uh, uh, we'll fact check that later. Or will we? Or giving us a free car because I hit a deer and because the free market says I need to get a free car. I hate socialism. You see, that's what it is. They have to create these villains which don't really exist. I could do another one. How about the Drag Queen Story Hour? Where every, at every one of these, they, they do a strip tease, and then they basically they torture the children into becoming transgender. No, that's not happening. But it doesn't stop you small-minded, dim-bulbed idiots from insisting it does. Because you're feeding your own machine at this point. You're basically creating your own conspiracy theories upon conspiracy theories because you're so addicted to the idea of vilifying the other side, you don't even think about whether or not anything you're saying makes any damn sense. Now, I'm going to apply this to the SRO thing because there's a real big of a doozy in there that they keep insisting was going to happen. It's going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Which is not going to happen. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Damn, AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. 
I, I was trying to get uh, Brianna Beerspock to come and join us today because she has an article um, in the Star Trib today, which basically, to give the Star Trib credit to a point, they actually are presenting this as opposed to in the past what they've just done is reported these screaming howler monkey Republican press conferences that – you know, it's kind of like they're all angry. Now they're actually going back and doing what they probably should have done early on in the story, which is basically do a kind of a synopsis of what's going on with the story. One thing I will point out, and this is something that I had this, on the Star Tribune story on this, and I don't, this is not Brianna perchance. I think it's the editors who put this, the picture there. Someone is telling me that the, the picture with the story about SRO, school resource officers, is actually a picture from Minneapolis Roosevelt High School. Which is a little bit dishonest because Minneapolis Roosevelt High School hasn't had SROs since 2000. So I, you know, I I don't know if that's the picture. It's not labeled as a as as from Minneapolis Rose, uh, Roosevelt, but I've had a listener insist, no, that's from Minneapolis Roosevelt. So I don't know if that's the case. If it is, it probably should be noted that 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 school resource officer featured in the the article, the picture in the picture in the article was actually from three-plus years ago. Reading from the article here, confusion continues to swirl around the new law that restricts the ways schools resource officers in Minnesota are allowed to restrain students. Minneapolis, Minnesota Republicans, metro area law enforcement officials recently reviewed their renewed their call for a special session. While the governor has signaled his openness to calling a special session in order to alter the law, some defillers and education advocates have pushed back. Here are some common questions. So once again, they're kind of doing a basic – this is probably something that should have been done back in, in August. Not necessarily to Brianna Bearsbach, but this is to – because Brianna Bearsbach is an exceptional journalist. She really is. Uh, they go through what is a school resource officer. Um, yeah. All right. I think we understand. These are the school – these are the police officers or you know private security that basically are attached to a school to basically patrol a school during the school day. You know, to, and under the argument that it keeps kids safe. Now we've we've the Minnesota reformer had did a story which basically said that it's it's a real mixed bag if these schools actually are safer per se than without an SRO. Uh, it's you can't n- definitively say that. In some categories, it's better, but in other categories, it's actually a lot worse. So it's. It, it, a school resource officer does not equate to a better or safer school per se. What changed in the law? A, substan- a substitution of a one two-letter word for another in the state law has led most Minnesota police chiefs, county attorneys, um, and, and sheriffs to interpret the new statute as preventing them from restraining students unless those students pose a physical threat. Now, I want to just stop you. And... <laughs> it does kind of surprise me. Uh, unless there's a physical threat, yeah, you shouldn't just be able to go up and grab somebody and toss them around like a rag doll. I, I don't think that that's a good thing. Previously, the statute said an agent of the district, which includes law enforcement officials placed in schools under contract with the district, may use reasonable force when it is necessary to, under these circumstances to restrain a student or prevent bodily harm or death of another. The education bill took the word, uh, took the or out and turned it into two police chiefs. Uh, so basically the, the way it reads now is, and forgive me, this is a fairly tight, it's a fairly tight script on this. Um, 
basically uh, the the agent of a district may use reasonable force when it is necessary under the circumstances to restrain a student to prevent bodily harm or death to another. So the previous law – now, once again, I want to make sure I also point out this, and this is not necessarily something that's pointed out in the story. So there are some things about the story which are kind of missing for context per se. But what I will say about the story is it doesn't point out that this this has been the standard that you cannot just restrain a student in 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 you know for any reason when they're a, a special needs kid that those laws have been in place for ten years. So you you know to you know you know they, basically you can't restrain a student to prevent bodily harm or death of another. The education bill took the word or out of the, uh, after the students and turned it into the two police chiefs, the county attorneys, and insurers have interpreted that change to mean that officers stationed in schools may only restrict students if they're about to inflict harm on themselves or to others. An officer can't re- cannot restrain a student until that split second when it becomes a threat of previous bodily harm or death. Well, once again, could make an argument that's not the worst thing. Over the last few weeks, police chiefs and county attorneys have pointed out to the two-word change as the primary source of confusion when they're allowed to intervene. Now, I want to make sure I point out another thing. According to an earlier Minnesota reformer story, 28% of the state schools have an SRO. This story goes on to state that 40 school districts in the state of 331 have removed their SRO officers, which is only 12% which even means with schools that have SROs, the majority of schools with SROs in them still have their SROs in them, that they're not pulling their kids out or that their their officers out of these schools. They're not. And the reason why is there have been a lot of people who have basically come on out and said, first of all, the determination is going to be made on whether or not a police officer did something wrong by the county attorney, which let's just go with what that is. That means really not a single officer will be held accountable because the county attorneys generally won't do this. Which brings me to the point of this whole thing. It's only one county attorney they're concerned about, Mary Moriarty in Hennepin County. That's the one county attorney that they're concerned about. You're trying to and, – and, and, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to expose the stupidity of the rights argument here because only a person who thinks the government should give them a free car, that babies are murdered in hospitals after they're born, that basically there is video proof of crimes against children where they're being murdered and for some reason no one is deciding to turn this into the police – that that level of, of delusion has to exist for you to think that there is a problem with this law. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I can't shut off this The Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So once again, we're the, the whole topic here is you have to create yourself into a situation where you have to be intentionally a stupid idiot 
to basically follow most of these Republican mindsets today. And once again, it's it's a it's a self-generating machine now where basically their only goal is to vilify the other side. So they have to keep ramping it up and ramping it up and ramping it up. And whether that's some delusional Iowa guy demanding that cars are free because Republican or from, from the government because Republican or that you know somehow babies are murdered after they're born in hospitals or that there is some sort of secret cult that's stealing you know, you know some kind of thing from a child as they're murdered and basically they're living forever like it's you know, okay no you're you're basically just you're grasping for straws because you're just so desperate to turn the other side because you know your side is so rotten to the freaking core but you don't have the guts to fix that, so your only goal is to try to make the other side worse. And that is where you guys are at. And so I want to apply this because there's something with the SRO rules that may, that, that basically point out that how, how ludicrous this is for them to basically even be trying to argue, oh, this, this is a bridge too far. And once again, a reminder— these rules have already been in place for kids for 10 years with special needs kids. At no point did any of these people complain about it. These rules of the 28% of Minnesota public schools that have SRO officers in it, apparently, according to this article, at least at the bare minimum, 16% of those schools, 16% of the schools in the state still have their SROs in them, which only means 12%, a minority, have pulled their SROs out of the schools. So it's it's and at no point are, is there this discussion between the two different school districts like, OK, why is your school district to have them? Why they're not? And at the end of the day, as much as these police departments and these school districts are trying as hard as they can to insist, we're being forced to do this. No, no one's forcing you. You pulled the SROs out of your own schools. You did. No one else. Stop looking for the free car because you hit a deer with your last one. You guys did this. That's on your heads, not anyone else's. Um, some student activists and large group of DFL legislators have said the law ad, ad change adds needed protection for students and is clear that this is clear the way it is. The law restricts the use of prone restraints and any form of physical holding that restricts or repairs a people's ability to breathe or communicate distress. The ban on prone restraints in particular brings a new law in line with restrictions the legislator previously placed on the way school staff may restrain students enrolled in special education programs. I think it's just a matter of making sure all the adults in our schools have the tools they need to make sure they're safe and successful places, said DFL Representative Cheryl Yuakim, who chairs the House Education Finance Committee. Um, as well, we should mention Keith Ellison weighed in with a strong, with an advisory opinion in late August and an updated version on Wednesday. His new guidance said interpretations of law change restricts SROs and school professionals from engaging in any physical contact to address nonviolent behavior are not correct. They simply must avoid the restraints identified in the new language. If a student is misbehaving in a way that does not and will not harm that student or anyone else, professionals in schools still have many tools at their disposal, including other kinds of physical contact reads the supplemental opinion. In a recent letter to city and law enforcement officials in her district, DFL House Speaker Melissa Hortman wrote, there is one and only one standard for use of force by peace officers, regardless of their role, and the legislature did not make any changes to that statute last season. Would I be surprised 
if we were to find out there was a coordination happening between the DFL leaders, or excuse me, not this community, the Republican leaders, these right-wing school district boards, and these right-wing police departments to treat this into a political thing. Would I be surprised if we were to discover, I don't know, through freedom of information requests, that there was a coordination going on? No, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit at all about that. Would you? Would you be surprised if, you, if, 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 if evidence that there was a coordination between the Republican Party and these right-wing school boards and right-wing police departments to try to turn this into a political issue? Would anyone here be surprised if it was discovered something like that actually existed? I'm not saying it does. I'm just asking, would you be surprised if it did? See, I can play the Fox News game, too. (laughs) Question mark. There you go. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can get the freedom of information request, but it'd be interesting to see. I also, would I be surprised if there was active lobbying by some of these right-wing police departments and school boards and politicians on the school districts that have the SROs still in school to get their SROs out because it gets us a stronger message? Would I be surprised by that? Not in the least bit. But I want to um, go back to this because, once again, this is about one word, and that word is changing the word or to two. And even though Keith Ellison has weighed in now and basically said, no, there's plenty of you, – you can physically grab a student. You just can't grab a student. You can't choke them out because you don't like the T-shirt he's wearing. I didn't vote for Joe Biden, so I'm going to choke you out. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> it just can't. You can't say uh, – I'm trying. you can't have one of those cops that's trying to impress the, the teenage girls and say, hey, let me just uh, try to rough one of these guys up and tell you this is just part of my job. You can't do that anymore. You just can't. But if there is a crime happening, you know, say, well, I mean, clearly if there's a physical threat, so if there's two people fighting, because that that was the first argument the Republicans were making is we can't even pull kids off each other if they're beating each other up. Actually, the law distinctly says you can do whatever you want to if two kids are fighting. Well, we can't do anything if a child tries to murder another child. Well, no, you can do a lot there. You basically don't – once again, the law very clearly says there are no restrictions on whatever you need to do in those cases. So now they're trying to make it – so since those two arguments are now been proven to be absolute garbage, they're now trying to make an argument as if we see a crime that doesn't involve physical violence, we can't do anything. And if I did – Mary Moriarty is going to charge me with a crime. Okay, so so now you see where I'm going here. Where the stupid for stupid sake argument comes into play. Now, I have not been the biggest fan of Mary Moriarty. I think she has she there are things that she has done that she did not definitely did not campaign on. That being said, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to, and I already know what the Republicans are going to scream, but I want you to stop for a quick second before you demand your free car from the government or insist that babies are being murdered in hospitals at thousands a day. I want you to stop and I want you to think about this for a second when I ask you this question. Do you honestly think that if a police officer in a Hennepin County school came across a, 
drug deal going on in a school and witnessed a drug deal going on and grabbed the drug dealer by the nape of the neck and their arm and said, we're going down to the, 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 the office right now. You're under arrest for dealing drugs. Do you really think that Mary Moriarty is going to be like, how dare you stop that drug deal in the school? Don't you know that they have rights too? I'm charging the police officer with a crime. You really, I want to stop. You really think Mary Moriarty is going to do that? That if you've got video evidence, your body cam's on, you got video evidence of you caught a drug bus going in place and you got the guy and you grabbed the guy and you hauled him down to the front office of the school, that somehow you're going to get charged with a crime? How stupid are you? Of course not. Seriously, I want to ask you that. How stupid are you if you think that that's the case? Well, I, 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 I think that it would happen. There's a chance. No, it wouldn't. No, it would not. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you don't get a free car after you hit a deer in Iowa. You don't. Don't do that. No, seriously. Do not go to Iowa to think to yourself, if I just hit a deer, I get a free one. No, that's not. No, that's not how it works. No, of course, Mary Moriarty or, you know, liberal DA of the month, of course, county attorney, liberal county attorney of the month, of course, they would charge the person with the crime of selling drugs and the police officer would not get charged. This is you guys just creating a villain for villain's sake. Like I said, you guys have already failed on this. You initially said, well, you can't even stop a fight. No, it actually says very clearly if there's a fight going on, you can stop that. Uh, you can't stop a murder. What are you talking about? Of course you can stop a murder. Well, now if I, if I stop a, a crime that's happening, someone's dealing drugs in school and I just try to stop it, I'm going to get charged. Once again, the decision to charge goes down to the county attorney. We'll just overlook the, the vast majority of psycho reto county attorneys across the state who would never even think about charging an officer with a crime. And I'll just focus on the metro area. Of course, they're not going to charge a police officer for busting a drug bust in a high school. Ta-da! Ta-freaking-da! This is all made-up political hype. That's all it is. It's made-up political hype. They don't have anything they can campaign on. They're not about to introduce a health and human service policy, an education policy, an environmental policy, a transportation policy. Nope, they're not going to. And so what they have to do is they have to create a a, a crisis, which they have, because once again, I wanna, one thing I'll criticize the Star Tribune for is this is the first time you've actually even tried to explain this issue as opposed to just running howler monkey Republican press conferences where you're like, wow, these people are upset. Yeah, because they're making it up. And they duped you all into covering it. So, yeah, this is a made-up political thing. And would I be surprised? Would I be surprised if there was coordination between the Republican Party of Minnesota, certain right-wing school boards, and certain right-wing police departments to try to make this into a much bigger issue than it really is? Absolutely not. I would not be surprised by that at all. So I do have some requests here for the media. If you are going to look at this, can I have you actually 
talk to one of the majority of schools that still have their SROs in place and ask them how their SROs are still there when the Republicans and the right-wing police keep insisting chaos in the streets or in the schools. And also, I want you to get in front of all these right-wing people and get them to ask the question, so you're saying your belief is if a police officer with their body cam on catches a drug deal and basically grabs that person and takes them to the front office, they think the police officer is going to get charged with a crime for arresting a drug dealer in school. You honestly think that. Because it's time for us to stop acting like the lowest common denominator is somehow our bellwether. The media used to actually have a level of of integrity to it and not have to dumb itself down to the lowest base point of just, I'm here at the scene of the auto crash. Look, blood and glass on the highway. And this is not a criticism of Brianna because I appreciate Brianna. And you can tell Brianna Bierschbach is in charge of this article because it has got more information on this issue than the Star Tribune has put out in every other freaking article they've done. So once again, Brianna is gold. But that being said, you guys should be out there doing a much better job of this. I can point out that these school districts, and Brianna did too, that the special needs kids already had these rules in place, that this is a vast minority of schools in the state, and it's even a minority of schools with SROs who are throwing a fit. That basically you, you, your, your arguments that they can't even stop a crime, you're not even looking at these guys who are saying that and saying, so you're telling me right now that if an active crime was going on and a police officer stopped it, you honestly think... Mary Moriarty would prosecute the cop. That's what you honestly think. Because, and sure, they'll say, yeah, they will, because they're talking from press points, but then you'll expose the stupidity of what they they are. The saddest part about this whole thing, the saddest part of the whole thing, is right now there are people in the right in this country, people in these police departments that are holding their officers out, and, and these school boards who are hoping a tragedy happens. Not because... Of any other reason, but then they can go, see, we were right. When there's nothing, there's no correlation. You can't equate those to two things. There are people hoping for bad things to happen to our kids so that they can win, try to win a political argument. That's not protecting and serving. That's not being advocates for our kids like a school board should be. And it's not anything like the Republicans say they are, which they care about life. Yeah, only unless it serves their political purpose, then die, baby, die. I can't stand these people. This is a made-up crisis. It's only politics. For God's sakes, just ignore them. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I can shut off AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is funny when you look at some people that have started going out and confronting these rightos who basically, like I said, they have to create a villain worse than their own guy 
in order to keep justifying their undying support. So they, they kind of create these whole things. So they, they'll go up to them and talk about Joe Biden. They'll say, so you're a Republican, right? Yes. You think Joe Biden's too old? Yes. He's losing his capacity. He can't really do anything. Yeah, but isn't your whole argument with Hunter Biden that he's like in charge of some sort of worldwide conspiracy? Wouldn't that require some level of competent intelligence? Well, well you're mega. <laughs> and they won't change. You're not going to win these people over. They are so delusional. They are so caught up in their, their recurring, never-ending, vicious circle, feeding their, their negative viewpoints. You're not going to change them. But you can sure make them look stupid because that's easy. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Business owner and consultant with experience in the hemp-derived cannabis industry. <laughs> will lead a new agency tasked with overseeing the legal dope in Minnesota. Minnesota Governor Walls has named Aaron Dupree the state's first director of the Office of Cannabis Management. They're closed a lot, by the way. <laughs> I heard they good deals every day at 420. Well, why, is it, why is no one in the office? Everyone's kind of relaxed in there. Just, I don't think they've opened the office yet. Uh, she starts on October second. She's the first hiree. I don't think. I think she's fine. The director will play a key role in establishing and regulating the state's legal mar- mar- marijuana marketplace. Narc. Sorry. While growing and possessing marijuana for personal use has been legal since August first, state officials will spend the next year plus preparing for commercial sales. That work will include everything from developing the licensing systems for cultivators and businesses to finalizing rules related to product testing, labeling, and packaging. And as I say that, I already know product testing. You know, <laughs> I know there's a certain element of my audience right now that just perked up there. Uh, I have no idea how you get part of the product testing team, but I imagine that's going to be a pretty heavy duty. Right, that's going to be a list of employees possible there. Yeah, I'm betting there's no shortage of job candidates for those. <laughs> I'm really good at testing stuff. We'll do a thorough job testing too. <laughs> this is great, man. I had this. I got this wizard bong when I was in Aruba, man. This is awesome. This will be great. This gives you really high potency. Anyway, uh, I don't think that that's going to be part of the testing process. <laughs> Just Not I, that kind of test. I have a feeling it's going to be like I'm feeling funky. I'm noticing my fingers are tingling. I really kind of feeling mellow. And boy, if should I would I love some uh, poppables? Those are tasty. That would be in, in lab coats. Uh, Dupree is the founder, vice president, and sales of operation and head of research and development at the Apple Valley-based Lunacy Cannabis Company. While she has not worked in government, which is something job posting emphasizes sought-after experience, well, okay, who's going to say, well, I've been smoking dope for years here in this, the Department of Transportation? <laughs> It's like, wait a second. You know when I've been running the environment, when I take all those trips up to the northern forest, high as a kite. High as a kite. I can tell you everything you need to know about the fine weed. Uh, Basically, her resume includes working advertising business, startups, and strategy and growth. Uh, She told reporters Thursday her consulting and contract work related to cannabis has made her familiar with the bureaucracy and regulation needed from other states. Well, there you go. We got a dope queen now. Yes! Yes! Get it going, folks. We all need to calm the blank down. Hour two is up next. Hour number two here on your 
Thursday. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire Day, man. What uh? We can play that again. Well, you, but please do. I, you know, I, I, it, it's it's September twenty first. I mean, I mean, it, there's a reason for the season. My God, man, it's Earth, Wind, and Fire. I want to get down, man, and and it's a good song. And I'm not dancing right now, but I mean, it's it still is a good thing. It's coming. Oh, there. And we're gonna play it. We gotta play. It. We gotta play it till this, they say September twenty first because this is how it goes. I've got my uh, highly decorative dance shoes hung by the chimney with care. Yeah, there you go. What? What? That is the internet stopping on us. Well, the internet. <laughs> The war on Earth, Wind, and Fire Day has begun. Yeah, no. (laughs) We can't even. Yeah, I'm just getting the spinning wheel right now. Next thing you know, next thing you know, they're not going to have the Earth, Wind, and Fire coffee cups over at Starbucks. And there you go. Bam, back. We've redeemed ourselves. This song makes September cool, man. This song makes September cool. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Sorry I had to dare, air the dirty laundry here, but yeah, it's only like we're doing radio. Struggle <laughs> to get Earth, Wind, and Fire on the airwaves. If we actually got Earth, Wind, and Fire in the studio now, would they all fit in here? I mean, there's like 12 of them, aren't there, in the band? 12, 12 people in the band? They got a full horn section. They're going to be by me. i got to have the horns by me, man. It would be a little warm in that studio. Oh, damn right it would be. Oh, yeah, man. It would be hot. Earth, wind, and fire. That's right. There you go. There you go. 952-946-6205. By the way, we're going to have a a, a Robert Pilot sighting coming up here in a little bit here. He's uh, he's going to stop on by the show. We were ah, going ah. we to make him sing Earth, Wind, and Fire if this thing didn't play. <laughs> you know, don't, I mean, he's looking happy about that we got the computer going again. So good news there. I want to read this first sentence from this story, Brett, and just you tell me where there's a little bit of a problem here with this, okay? This is about the water over at the Stillwater Prison, okay? The water at MCF Stillwater is safe to drink. But new protocols should be implemented to address the discoloration. <laughs> State officials say, <laughs> mm, who wants a big old glass of brown water? Mm, yum. It's safe to drink. Chug, chug. <laughs> I think, all right. I'm glad to hear that they tested the water and the water is fine. But. If it's got a weird flavor or discoloration, which apparently it does, then you can't really get upset with the prisoners who are like, what are you giving us? Here's your big old glass of non-clear water. Yum. On Wednesday, the Minnesota Department of Health released the results of testing it had conducted on water samples collected from the Stillwater Prison. The test came after inmates in the prison refused to return to their cells in protest earlier this month. Community advocates say inmates were inmates were protesting the lack of access to clean water, including ice and showers, as well as impacts caused by chronic understaffing and a lack of air conditioning in parts of the building. The Minnesota Department of Health Public Health Laboratory conducted 465 tests on samples collected from faucets and other endpoints 
within the prison to look for bacteria, iron, manganese, lead, copper, and pesticides. Minnesota Department of Health tested samples from every cell block, common areas, kitchen, recreation areas, and other indoor and outdoor areas. The testing concluded that the water at the prison complies with Federal Safe Drinking Water Act standards, but the department did note that the, some of the water had hot water taps was discolored. Um, while these taps are not considered a drinking source, they are used by inmates and staff for showering and other activities. Also, they noticed mineral buildup in some water fixtures, iron staining in some sinks. In response to these findings, they recommended the new protocol for the prisons to impl- implement, including developing a written water management plan, cleaning fixtures and aerators, conducting facility-wide flushing, and having a licensed plumber conduct an inspection and implementing of any re- uh, resulting recommendations. Um, in a statement, the Minnesota Department of Omnibus for Corrections said it reviewed the test results. It not received any complaints related to waterborne illness in the prison, but could not substantiate claims related to the lack of access to safe drinking water. Um, <laughs> although water conditions at MCF Stillwater were found to be safe by both previous and current testing, minerals in the well water and aging pipes may be contributing to concerns about taste and the color of the water. Oh, come on, man. All right. I'm glad the water is technically safe to drink. This in the same country that sells 18 variety colors of Mountain Dew. Okay, fine. Sure. Drinkable. But if it's different color than watercolor or it's got a fun flavor, you can't get upset with the prisoners for thinking something might be wrong there. Just me. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I also have a bit of an update on a story that we have been following. And, oh, God, I just thank you. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, this it would be uh, – we've, we've talked about a, a certain city council member in Columbia Heights who's had some problems. K.T. Jacobs. Well, things had taken a turn there, and it sounded like there was going to be a recall election on her. But she is planning to file a lawsuit against the city Thursday in an effort to stop the election that could recall her. Jacobs attorney, Greg Joseph, argued in a news conference alongside Jacobs Thursday that the council should not have accepted a petition seeking the special election and should not have scheduled the recall. The suit is okay, so the mob is at the door. And you're saying the city should have said, well, you know what? We're going to yeah, I, I understand you're upset, but no. The suit does not seek damages or does not name any individuals. He said it seeks only to stop the February election. Over the last year, the council has passed two resolutions calling for Jacobs to step down after she was accused of calling now council member Justice Spriggs and questioning his biracial identity and qualifications during a two-hour phone call while he was running for office. An outside investigator hired by the city uh, suggested Jacobs have been untruthful when she blamed the call on a relative using her cell phone. The investigator also found that Jacobs failed to conduct herself ethically and in accordance with the city council code of conduct. Joseph and Jacobs' lawsuit will argue the city should not have considered the recall petition because the phone call and her conduct during the investigation were not valid reasons to seek a recall under the city charter or state law. I don't care if somebody was offended by something, Joseph said Thursday. He declined to answer questions about the call, while Jacobs again denied making the call. The recall election is scheduled for February 13th. Jacobs would ordinarily be up for re-election November 2024, Jacobs said. 
Thursday, she has not yet decided whether to run again. Things are going great for you. Your campaign's doing great up there. It's been a very difficult 14 months and counting, Jacob said Thursday, claiming she has received death threats. She said the only thing she wanted to do to you is treated fairly. Okay. During the news conference outside of the City Hall, Jacobs was repeatedly asked to step down by Chris Finlayson, who has been active in the recall efforts. Jacobs and Joseph largely ignored him. Asked later why she wanted to stay on the council, even though she said the episode has impacted her health. Jacobs said she did not want any future council members to be targeted. You know, you don't want anyone getting, I don't know, random solicitation calls and people questioning ethnic backgrounds or anything like that. You don't want that to happen. Who wants that to happen? She said she wanted to continue representing those who voted for her. Yeah, you're doing great. Uh, Finley said she, had, she wondered how effectively Jacobs would re- represent non-white residents of Columbia Heights in gathering signatures for the recall position. He said he met many residents of color who said they could not feel comfortable going to Jacobs with a concern. So, well, we'll have to see. I mean, it's, you know, stuff like this, these charters and stuff like this, it's going to be interesting. This is like that driveway thing down in that one county where the, the oh, family, yeah. you know, these things are complicated and stupid, but I'm sure that this lawsuit will clear things right up. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, it will. I, I'm presuming someone's running against her in November of 2024 if she's, if she's still there on the ballot. I'm going to take a guess. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Oh, God. Just, it's... In case you've missed what's going on in Washington, D.C., things that explosion you just heard was Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> the, the uh, Speaker of the House, who once again thought, thought, funny story, thought that he had a deal with the far-right lunatic right-wing fringe, but surprise, they apparently turned against him and voted him down again. It was 212 to 216. Because obviously no Democrats were trying. Yeah, 212 to 216 That's was what the I vote. Saw too, yeah. yeah. This was this was apparently he'd made some concessions to the right wing trolls under the argument that this was going to pass, and it did not. You mean they went back on their word, the I don't... far right wingers? <laughs> That's shocking to me. Breaking news arsonist mad, house is on fire. Uh <laughs> Dude, you did this to yourself, and it's delicious. It's not delicious. I want to make sure actually I take some time here because the the the, the reformer once again doing yeoman's work uh, on this. They basically break down what exactly is going to happen if they have this government shutdown. Now, a reminder: when they had the debt ceiling negotiation, Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden came up with an agreement, which was agreed upon by all sides. That this the 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 government would not shut down. That they had a plan in place, and they would do this. Apparently, McCarthy now is refusing to bring that plan up because he's trying to work with these far right lunatics. And at no point, and once again, this is such a self induced problem because at no point is he just bringing up the bill he agreed with with Biden, putting it out there for a vote, which I'm pretty sure would get. 40 or 50 Democrats at the very least to vote along with it. And off she goes. Instead, he is still begging, begging 
people who are addicted to their own television coverage to basically get out of his way. Maddie happy. <laughs> that being said, let's actually take a quick second to look at what the damage is going to be here. More than 3.5 million federal employees and military personnel, many in the D.C. area, but also scattered across the United States and around the globe, bracing for another partial government shutdown. Most of the workers would be furloughed and go without paychecks in a shutdown. Some will have to work without pay because of the nature of their jobs, like members of the military, law enforcement officers, air traffic controllers, and TSA officers. Those federal employees would get back once their sh- their back pay, once their showdown ends. By the way, that law to give them back pay for working for free only was enacted in January of 2019. <laughs> Dear Lord. Lawmakers would not personally be affected. Members of the Congress would continue to get paid. Well, yeah, I guarantee you that's that's part of the problem right there. As well as Joe Biden, federal judges through the judicial bench could see funding run low. In the D.C. area, Virginia, Maryland are home to 279,000 civilian federal workers who for some unknown period would go without pay and would be forced to draw on savings and other assistance. The economic impact would be broad because of the funding lapse this year could hit much harder than the 35-day partial government shutdown that took place during the Trump administration reduced GDP by billions of dollars. Do you remember the, the billions of dollars cost us trillions in extra spending? And it was – oh, God. Who am I – who is the idiot out of Texas? Um, There's several of them. The, the senator. Oh, Ted Cruz? Thank you. Or Cornyn? Ted <laughs> Cornyn's kind of more just, you know, kind of dumb. You know, <laughs> just, well, Cruz makes him look pretty smart. Cruz, Cruz is basically the, the kid eating paste out back. Cruz comes in, we did what we wanted to accomplish. Really? Really? So you did nothing. Great. Cor- Cornyn is the guy that you basically, I'll tell you what, we're not going to put you in this anymore. We're going to have you sit on the bench. You know, <laughs> don't let him play with the bats or the balls, okay? Just keep him over there. He's fine. Um, American federal government employees, National President Everett, Everett Kelly said in a written statement, the government shutdown would be a disaster for the American people and the federal employees who keep the government running. Um, the I, I believe that the, 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 this would be a lot. National parks would shut down. Uh, Congress has yet to pass a dozen of funding bills, so all departments and agencies fuel food. The annual appropriations process would be impacted. That includes the Departments of Agriculture, Commerce, Defense, Education, Energy, Health, and Human Services, Homeland Security, Housing and Urban Development, Interior Justice, Labor, State, Transportation, Treasury, and Veterans Affairs. Remember that guy earlier? He's like, thank God for the Veterans Affairs. Well, thank God you got your service done quickly. So, Because I can tell you, a few weeks here, I don't think it's going to be around. The entire legislative branch, including the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, and the Capitol Police, and the Congressional Budget Office, Government and Accountability Office, the Library of Congress, among others, would be partially shut down. Um, yeah, it's it's this is a pretty big freaking deal, and it will hurt a lot of people. And yet, this is once again th- these people, these workers. There is no consideration for them by the Republicans. They could care less about this. This is only about trying to showboat and try to get some way that they can win. And the reality is is it's embarrassing that Kevin McCarthy still is curtailing his his own success and his party's success with this 
self-induced requirement that the most loony of loon balls all have to be on board. That is that is predictable. How about I say it like that? 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. State Supreme Court will hear oral arguments November 2nd on the bipartisan constitutional challenge to former President Donald Trump's presence at the 2024 presidential ballot. The, um, the court realizes schedule Wednesday with a timeline for all sides to file written arguments before the hearing. A quick pace that recognizes the incredible time sensitivity of the legal petition filed by the national group Free Speech for People, former Secretary of State Joan Grow, former Se- uh, State Supreme Court Justice uh, Paul H. Anderson, and others. Now, I want to remind so – this is I made this point this morning, and I think this is an important thing you need to remind yourself of. Immediately after January 6th. There's a reason why Republicans started screaming, it was just tourists. It was just tourists. They knew that the 14th Amendment would apply here, that you can't be an insurrectionist. You can't try to overthrow the government and act like you're somehow pro-government. And the, the, this is, these are rules that were put into place after the Civil War happened where you basically the, – the argument is you did not want former Confederate officers or politicians to be able to get into office and then basically undermine the federal government or a state government from their position. And so – and that's the thing is you, you if you have someone who, oh, I don't know, tried to overthrow the government of the United States, I think you can't just sort of say, well, this time I'm good with it. No, you, you kind of have this rule. By the way, there is a bylaw here that if at two-thirds of the House and the Senate vote that he can still run, then they can run. I don't think they're going to meet that threshold. The argument in the U.S. Constitution's 14th Amendment, Section 3, bars Trump from being on the ballot because the former Republican president supported the January 6th protest at the U.S. Capitol that sought to negate the Democratic President Joe Biden's electoral victory. The petition challenging Trump was filed last week. The respondents have until September 27th to file their initial counter petitions, which I'm going to imagine are going to be something to the effect of Biden. The court's order written by Chief Justice Lori uh, Gildia uh, agreed to allow the state Republican Party to step in as a respondent to the petition. The Trump campaign Secretary of State Steve Simon are also respondents. Simon will be represented by Attorney General Keith Ellison's office. In this case, the state GOP chairman David Hahn has said the petition hinges on what he called the fringe legal theory – they called the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. You know, fringe. <laughs> hey, you can't be for the country, you jackass, if you're against it. Fringe, you know. Oh, uh, God. The Republican Party of Minnesota believes that voters of Minnesota should ultimately decide through voting which candidates are qualified to resent them in public office. For God's sakes. You had Kim Crockett on the ballot last year. You guys shouldn't be trusted with a freaking spoon, let alone the right to choose how democracy works. 
You should don't don't give him a spoon even. That's got an edge. Don't let him get close to that. A wooden spoon. We'll give you a wooden spoon. The court's latest order notes that need for speed. It makes this story sound much more exciting than it really is, actually. <laughs> Minnesota has a presidential nominating primary March 5th. For priorities to determine major party candidates, the names of the ballot must be submitted to Simon's office no later than 63 days before the primary, a deadline of January 2nd. Absentee voting begins on January 19th. Simon has said the petition requires a swift decision by the courts, so the presidential election is unclouded. Similar petitions have been filed elsewhere, and Simon says he expects the issue of Trump's eligibility for the ballot to be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. The court specifically directed the petitioners represented by Charles Nowen and others to file briefs on October 4th regarding their legal standing and timelines of the petition, whether Section 3 is self-executing, whether it precludes a person from being a president, and whether it applies to the former president. The front, my, okay, I'm going I'm to predict how this is going to go. This is going to go to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is going to basically say, well, until he's convicted of trying to overthrow the government, you know, you've got to give him the chance to defend himself. So that even after even after he gets into office and he's found to be guilty, then he can't run again. But, you know, hey, you know, just don't let him into the office and and then you can you can set your standard. I you can see that cab coming down the street. That's, you know, just I, the, the best part is this. Can you imagine the vacations that Sam Alito and uh, Clarence Thomas are about to go on? Oh, my God. They are going to be they're going to be wined and dined across the globe, man. <laughs> Good day to be them. Isn't oh, it? God. Carried up to the top of Everest by a Sherpa. Some Mai Tais on the way down. God, that's going to be. I bet you. I'll tell you what. If we can we buy them off. I'll get them a wristband from all of America, man. We'll go over there. Come on, Clarence. Come on, uh, Sam. We're going. Let's go on the rock bottom plunge. Yay! This is kind of reminiscent of what you guys have done to democracy. Yay! <laughs> oh God, there there is not there is not a free buffet that's safe from those two justices. Mm. Got to start a crowdfunding thing. The the fund to pay off Clarence Thomas in the most recent. <laughs> you just call it that. And you want to know the truth is I don't think there's any reason that this is illegal. So yeah, more money, money. Oh, they're going. To, I can't. I mean, they're going to get really good seats to those games. I mean, really good seats. And I bet you they get like extra nacho sauce on their nachos. Oh, I wish I was a Supreme Court justice and could be bought off for the simplest little things. <laughs> It would be awesome. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. The guy's sitting next to me. It's basically just shaking his head. How has this crap fest still been on the air for 13 years? Robert Pilot will join us here. When we do on Come On Back, it is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. By the way, I shouldn't mention tomorrow, Metz is in studio. Well, at least that's the plan. Paul Metz is going to be in studio for an hour. It's just going to be him and I talking northern Minnesota stuff. I got to talk to him about the Duluth Grill because that biscuits and gravy, holy cow, was that good. That was good. 
Robert Pilot, Native Roots Radio, I Am Awake. That comes in after my show. It is my absolute privilege to be the lead-in for his show. He is in studio today, so I've got the kind enough reason I've, I've tricked him into coming into the studio and joining me for a few minutes here. Hey, Robert. Well, thanks a lot. And, you know, Matt, I, I always have to say this, too. I really appreciate from day one when we started the show six, over six years ago, uh, you've been a huge fan and a big supporter because uh, – we we didn't know anything about radio other than if anyone was listening or if, uh, and somebody with your background was giving us uh, props that really helped us and kept us going. It's the same thing I said to you back then. I have not there is there is a definitive need for your show for Native American news and not just on frankly not just on local community radio stations on reservations across the country but on major radio stations because for goodness sakes we cannot learn we cannot acknowledge we cannot get better unless we know the whole story and this is the great the the thing that i have become awakened to and 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 once again i i divert to you i'm this is this is i've when you realize the lack of knowledge and the lack of understanding that we have in this country for Native American issues, their plight, where they're at today, what they're trying to teach us, yeah. as they, they wave our hands and scream, for God's sakes, don't destroy the water. As we don't this, the reality is, is this is the, the best thing that I can do is just listen to his show. Listen to his show. His show is so damn important. I can't, it, it, there's no words. And so it's, it's, you need to do this and you need to tell everyone you know to listen to his show on the podcast or anything like that, because that is the only way we're going to understand Native American issues is to understand Native American issues as they are. And you guys do a fantastic job of conveying them. Yeah, it's all about the guests, right, for us. Yeah. I mean, I can't do what you do. I'm always amazed that you can pull off two hours and not have a guest. And that's amazing. I, we were at the Twins game, Haley yeah. and I, and we did the Twins game, and we interviewed Dan Gladden right away, and he had to go. And then I had to talk a little bit because our guest didn't show up, and I'm going, how much time do we have, Haley? And it's like, you know, the segment's uh, 10 minutes long. She goes, we've got seven more minutes. And I go, oh, my God. We have four Buxton injuries. That's how much time oh, we have. Seven minutes, oh. four Buxton injuries. That's how much time we have. <laughs> He's walked up and said, oh, he broke another ankle. So are you old enough to remember uh, the Red Sox? Uh, Dwight Dwight Evans, yeah. So he played right field for many many years, and I was reading an article. I, I love reading about baseball, and he had a concussion in '75. So he played like half a season, seeing double vision, and you know his stats weren't as good as years past or years forward from there. But what a difference a player! <laughs> did he did he pull a, a bump Bailey? Did he run into the wall or something? Is that how oh, he got his? Or did, was I, he like Morneau? Remember when Morneau got his oh, sliding into second base? What I'm saying is that these these players back then were cut from a different. Uh, I mean, they're always injured now. Didn't it? it was a year ago the Twins had like 50 roster changes, oh, yeah. and the Red Sox in '75 or it was either '75 or '78. Uh, he was playing half the season starting. Batting, 100-mile-an-hour pitchers, Nolan Ryan, you know. Carl Yastrzemski. <laughs> no, if you're talking Red Sox, 1976, yes. it's the Yaz, man. No, and they all look like us. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they did. I mean, I would. I'm the template for your 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 starting pitcher. Wilbur for Wood, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wilbur, remember Wilbur Wood? 
good. <laughs> I'm going to go get some nachos in between yeah. innings. Mickey Lolich <laughs> won uh, three World Series games. Uh, oh. He and he always said, you know, they want him to run in the outfield. And he said, I don't run pitches to the plate, so I'm not running. How many times <laughs> do you remember? Remember in the 80s and 90s, how many of the closers were like were overweight? And uh-huh. because that was kind of like the, well, Terry like, Foster, the big big thing of goo, wasn't yeah. that what Letterman always called him? <laughs> The big uh, yes, guy did. of goo or something like that. I can chime in. Wasn't David Wells? I thought he said he was hung over when he no hit the twins. Yeah, and he had, that perfect game. And he like had Babe Ruth's hat on too that he won in an auction the night before. Did he? Yeah, wow. he was wearing Babe Ruth's hat. Wow! And beat the twins in a no hitter. Um, oh, I'll tell you what. Some look, great highlights. Look, so we're talking twins. We'll talk. Yeah. Twins. We're, we're going to talk a little twins, and I'm going to. I want to talk a little bit about the story we brought up yesterday about the water because once yeah. again, water's life. Yeah, water is life. Um, but let's talk the Twins. They're going to. I mean, Cleveland's got Baltimore. They're you know, and, and, and Baltimore's in a race to win that division. So th- we're going to have clinched the division tonight. I can't see Cleveland beating them. Right. Well, and even if they do, I'm going to try and get out there Friday and uh, yeah, one game. And one one of the difference th- uh, about the Twins now than in years past is they have pitching. Oh gosh, yeah. And you know these short series, these five game series, yeah. yeah. You got two or three uh, pitchers. You can even, you know, put Ryan in there, or, or the cat that just pitched with the one hitter uh, a couple days ago, uh, Mar- Miranda, or what's his name. Um, we can put them in one. Paul. No, one uh, Paul. He's he's out of it now for sure. I read in the paper that he won't be starting anymore the rest of the season. So, but we have three and four quality pitchers and a and a pretty darn good relief and we haven't had that in a long time. 1991 man, three pitcher rotation. They went into the playoffs with a three pitcher rotation and won that World Series with three pitchers. Yeah, and uh jeez, Jack uh was unbelievable and uh was it he wasn't a rookie. I think he was a second year man. What was his name again? Uh won 20 games that year Anderson? for the Twins. Oh, Scott Erickson. 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 Yeah. yeah. Anderson was a year after that, wasn't he? I think so. He was a couple of years before. He was one of the original. He's the one of the only. There's seven people, and I think we talked about this last yeah. time, right? The seven people that were on eighty-seven and ninety-one. Yeah, and he was one of them. And he in eighty-eight, I think he won the ERA. Alan Anderson won the ERA title, and he always got a hard time about it because he didn't make his last start. Oh yeah, that's right. And that, that? that was that was crimes back then. Of course, they were also playing in the pinball machine uh, that was the, the Metrodome at that point. Billy uh, Martin always said, uh, "Why may I name this after a great man like Hubert Humphrey? This yeah. dump." <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we, we, okay, we got to get Texas. If we get Texas yeah. in the first round, I mean Texas, we will we match up really well. I think we actually will win against Seattle too. The one that concerns me is Toronto. You know Toronto. If, yeah. if all the three, because right now, if you're, if you're, those are likely going to be the 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 uh, uh, three uh, teams that we have to. One of them will have to face off with when it comes to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Texas, we we kind of really smacked them around, and yeah. if and and that was not with our start. I think we only had Lopez start for that one of those games, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but no, I I I hope we get Texas. I think I, I got faith that they can win that first that uh, first round series this time around. But until they do it, I can't. And yeah. They have to do it. Well, you know what they always used to say: pitching will, or hitting will win you games, and pitching will win you World Series. And that's the one difference I think in years past is that we do have some horses in there. Mm-hmm. We have a relief pitcher that's uh, thrown eighty-seven pitches this year over a hundred miles an hour. 
Mm-hmm. What the heck? Well, you remember when the Arizona Diamondbacks won theirs? You know, there was, it was all pitching. Yeah. <laughs> no bats on other team at all. Well, and that's when things flipped uh, from yeah. finesse to 100-mile-an-hour pitchers. They might burn them out, but they bring them in and swing, swing, swing. You cannot pitch him past 22, 23 pitches. If, yeah. he, if he goes 22, 23, he, just, he falls off the cliff, and that's just the case. And then remember uh, when we were – well, I'm older than you, but when I was a kid, Nolan Ryan threw 230 pitches at one uh, no-hitter that he well, threw. I remember it was over 200, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, 230 pitches. Well, and now it's like they go to 82. It's like, oh, we got to preserve your arm. You know, it's it's the money thing. I mean, it, it's – okay, I, I kind of get mad we don't have takeout slides anymore. I get mad there's no collisions at the plate anymore. Oh. But the reason why is you're paying a guy yeah. you know, 25 30 million dollars to play a baseball position then the the you know there's an investment that gets put out there that they can't they, they can't allow that person to to go out there and potentially get injured uh, on a play like that it's a psychological thing too what was that cat's name that won a couple cy youngs and then he went to the mets and we got gomez what was his name do you remember uh, Liriano? oh johan santana santana, santana, santana thank yeah. you he would throw a sh- nine inning shutout and and go out over a little over the hundred pitches, and then the next game he'd be brutal. He yeah. was only for some. He was a small guy too, and he only could go seven, eight innings. But if he was having a shutout, they'd let him go longer. Mm-hmm. And I remember his next game, he'd be he'd be out in five innings. Yeah, well, I mean, I always remember Brad Radke yeah. when Radke would go out there and he'd give up five runs in the first inning, and then all of a sudden he was, you know, he was he was remember unhittable. That well. He was unhittable from from that point on, and it just it was weird. And that's not a, you're not over exaggerating at all. No. He'd give up a couple of four or five runs, and you go, what the heck? And then shut out the rest of the way. And I like get, six pitch sh- innings. Yeah. Like six pitch innings, you'd be done. Well, we. Uh, it was funny when I talked to Gladden, too. Do you remember the 86 Twins? Uh, they didn't have Reardon. They didn't have Gladden. Mickey Hatcher was on the team, That's but then right. he was released when they got Gladden. And Gladden's been – he's a, he's a, a player. And Reardon came in and, uh, uh, you know, shut the door. And if he had a bad outing, he'd come right back and shut the door. And, and so he, he had the mentality. And if you remember, Ron Davis we got from the Yankees who had the stuff, but he blowed so many, so many games. And so the mentality switched in 87. What you had with Gladden as the – and I'm going to say a term here – the red ass. The That's guy, what they, I, I didn't you know, know if I could you, say you that can, on you can your say show. It, you, can, you, can, you know, Joe Tomey was like that. Who is the – Mark Redman was like that when he was a pitcher, catcher with us. Remember that? Oh. You know, and, and it got to a point where you yeah. did not – and this was – and for everyone at home, what we're talking about is someone who might not be the best player on the team, might not – it might be a utility guy, mm-hmm. but a guy that just wants to win and has no problem going up to the superstar player and start and, and calling them out when they're not playing well. And that, and, 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 you know, sometimes giving them a right hook when they're not playing well. Right. And, and, and there were, there were guys like that. And that used to be something, but, you know, I, I think that the baseball has gotten rid of a lot of that because, you know, once again, you don't want some guy who's your backup catcher breaking the jaw of your superstar player and that guy's out for a few weeks because he was mad he didn't hustle on a, on an infield single. Do you remember when, um, Morneau first came up? Yeah, and Toria Hunter beat him up. Oh yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> because he wasn't playing the Twins' way, he was complaining. Oh yeah, and you know that helped out uh, Morneau. And I think people forget that they forget that like Oprah used to be kind of like Jerry, uh, 
Jerry, uh, what's, what's his name? The Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. Remember when Oprah first started? She was like Jerry Springer. And then she said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And she became more popular. But he, uh, boy, that was a tangent, huh? Well, well but, and I will bring up your point about Morneau. I mean, he, played, he was a better player afterwards. Yeah. He was a better player afterwards because, and I think that that's part of the problem. Guys like Royce Lewis, and I hope Royce does come back for the, for the postseason. <laughs> I, I mean, we need him. But guys like Royce Lewis are rare that they get up there and they understand not only is it I'm lucky, now I'm I'm making a lot of money, but he has the fire of an 11-year-old in a Little League game to try to win that game. And that is what, you know, and, and I, I'm sure red ass is a, is a tough term, but that's right. that's the term, is that these guys just, they, they whatever it takes to win, they're cheering on the sidelines, they're clapping for an infield single, they're doing that sort of thing, and, and that is what you need. The reality, I, I don't think. Is there anyone left like that in Major League Baseball at all? I don't know, but you obviously see that he's uh, a Major League player now that can make adjustments, and that's what I hear all the time is if you're able to make adjustments because remember when we were young, they had the, the sophomore jinx. Well, that was just because there was no videotape and TV to see what these people's weaknesses were until they saw him again maybe the next year. But he's been able to adjust because he has tremendous stats, Royce does, compared to when he first came. Came up and got hurt. The, the the I was watching the game two nights ago, and he pulls out at the Reds game, mm. uh, and and he pulls one of the pitchers pulls out his little card and tells him exactly <laughs> what pitches he can and cannot God. throw to this guy. It's amazing what pitchers used to do, and I mean they wouldn't even. I mean you go back even before like the sixties, they didn't even know. There was no one keeping track of what play what pitches a player could hit or not could hit. It, it just it's kind of one of those things where the the, the the technology involved, the advanced training that's involved today, I, don't get me wrong, these guys are amazing. Yeah. That they can still get hits and stuff like this, and they can still pitch to these guys, but uh, it, it has changed so much. Well, my son-in-law's uh, brother, uh, he's 6'7", and he played uh, for 10 years, and he was a two-time All-Star after Josh Johnson. Wow. Um, that's what we see now. We see people that put in seven, eight years, and they're done. They mm. made their money. The guy, there's he, no red asses when you do that. No, exactly. And, and just when you talk about his height, he, I bet you he had a he had a wicked pitch. Yeah, I bet because you can just get the guys that are that tall. They have they, they're it, halfway physic, to home plate. Thic, physics helps them out. Physics helps them out with those things. Oh gosh. Yeah, Randy Johnson, man. I mean, he was so much taller than they 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 did the science on it. He was so much taller than the rest of the pitchers that he his angle was so much more advantage. He had much more of an advantage than everyone else. I shouldn't talk, but what an ugly dude! (laughs) I've seen him on commercials now. I go, that's not him. Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) As a as a man who represents himself as a rotting pumpkin, I agree. (laughs) All right, let's take a break. We're going to take a break here really quick and come back. When we do come back, I want to touch on that water story yesterday. We talked about about the. You know, the Cancer Road down just south of the metro area. We'll talk about that. And then the problems that corporate farming is creating for our water systems. It's the Matt McNeil Show with Robert Pilot right here on AM 950. Wind Twins. Wind Twins. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Matt, uh, Robert Pilot from Native Roots Radio in the next hour joining us. Haley, also from the show. Hi, Haley. Nice to meet you. Hi, Matt. Good to see you in person. Good to see you. This is the first time I've seen you face-to-face. It is, it's nice to have you here. There. There you go. Yes. Um, how do you like working with that? <laughs> you know, I would, I would be honest, but he is family. He is blood, so. <laughs> you got to be careful. That bad, you say. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you know, one of the things that I, I've, you know, I, I didn't realize, frankly, until I started listening to uh, Native Roots Radio, I did not realize the absolute disgusting way we have treated the water of this state and mm. the water of this country and the water of this planet. Right. It is just atrocious. And you start realizing it's like, oh, my gosh. And I want to say the Native Americans for decades have been screaming, my God, you've got to stop this. And no one's listened. And if we just listened to them, guess what? We wouldn't be nearly in this problem. Well, we've had uh, fake Indians, too. Remember that old uh, pollution uh, the, where they're throwing out the trash and the guy's got the tear coming down yeah. there? Yeah, we have had fake Indians like uh, um, speak up for us back in the day. Well, I think that back that back in the seventies, white America would look at that ad and say, "Well, I've done enough because I watched the ad." That, that was kind of the stupidity of it all. It, it was though. Uh, yesterday, I had the story about Cancer Road down south of of uh, it's about Rochester. The nitrates that are coming off the the farms, uh, whether it's manure or just you know fertilizer, seventy percent, seventy percent of it is getting into the water supply. It's the the rates of nitrates in the water in that one area where all these people got cancer were off the charts. It's everywhere. It's every state: Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, the Dakotas, Illinois. It's everywhere. On top of that, we had the story from the New York Times where they went over their water usage rights. And then they have drained the aquifer so much now that they're having to dig new town wells mm-hmm. in some of these areas because they have no water, right. which is like – and we can bring up the, the way that corporate farming has destroyed the small farmer. We mm-hmm. can talk about how they've annihilated and you know thrown a, a nuclear bomb into the economic structure of small-town America. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is we're getting to the point where the water, because of farming directly, is now poison in some areas. The water, if you do have water, and they haven't just used it up and said, sucks to be you, we needed it for beets. Right. It's, mm. It is – this is horrible what's going on. Sounds pretty bad. Right. Well, it, and I, I think about uh, the island Bedote, you know, that Mississippi and uh, the uh, Minnesota River uh, mm-hmm. match. You can see all the all that crap coming in from the Minnesota River, all that runoff from corporate farms. It's amazing. Have you ever flown into St. Louis? Either one of you have ever flown? No, it was, no. no reason to. No, it, just you, kidding. <laughs> it's it's uh, not my favorite city either. But I, I flew into St. Louis and I'm looking down and I said, is that the river from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, you know, it's just, just straight chocolate just milk. Brown, well, no, kind of yellowish brown. Oh. It was not even good. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, that is, that, that's just all runoff. And, and it's not too far south of us. We're we're to a point here in the metro area north of us still somewhat lucky, but you even get to the southern border of Minnesota, Iowa. The water there is horrible. The smell is horrible too. Yeah. I mean, the, the where you talk about too with the corporate farming, which is was one of Wendy's uh, big deals when we started the show too. It's like you imagine having a, a hamburger and it's made from five hundred different cows. You know, just a crap like that. You know, food tastes different than it did. 20, 30 years ago, too, because of how the corporate farming has taken over. And a lot of it's from not from this country. And that's what we deal with, like with Enbridge being a foreign company and mm. so on and so forth. And, and we stopped the, at least for the temporarily stopped that, that copper nickel sulfur mine up in yeah. uh, by Ely. But that's just temporary. I guarantee that's going to come back. You know, with going back to the corporate farming, here's the thing is we know what the problem is. Not a single damn politician is going to stand up to corporate farming and say we need to change this. Not a single one of them because there's just too much there. 
the, the brainwashing nature, even as we have people in rural America whose their water taps have dried up because all the water got used up by the corporate farm, they'll still go to, to, to fight to the mattresses for that corporate farm yeah. because they have been brainwashed into thinking the real problem is something else as opposed to the people that are robbing them blind where they're at. Right, exactly. And, you know, it, the DFL, what does that stand for? Farmer labor, yeah. and they have been out of it for so many years that they've started listening to the people wearing red and funny hair and things like that, where all of a sudden they're the bad people. And so it's a re-education of our farm because when you talk about universal health care, that would help the farmers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to pay a crap load of money for health care and on and on and on. We should be allying with the small farms and and. People like Mary Kunish are trying to start, and I think some of them are trying to start now, yeah. but is it too late? Well, and we should remember, remember when cigarettes were out, and cigarettes were everywhere. Everyone smoked. I love cigarettes. <laughs> I love cigarettes. <laughs> but they were everywhere. I look so cool. When, when they got rid of them, where, where, why did that start? Because there was a big pushback by the cigarette industry. It was the health insurance industry who basically said, wait a minute, I got waitresses here who never smoked a day in their life. They're dying right. of lung cancer. Right. Why are we paying for this? Maybe this is what it takes when you have Cancer Road, where you have oh. all these people dying from nitrates. Maybe you, what you end up having to have is massive corporate interest versus other massive corporate interest. But at the end of the day, maybe they make some headway because, you know, it's how long before you say, well, we have only 20% of the population, but we're having 60% of the cancer rate yeah. in a state. We have to do something to stop something like that. Yeah, I just, I'm just so anti corporate uh, farming. And the, uh, this is just a small piece. It's a big piece, though. Yeah. Granted, but it's a small piece of what they're doing and behind closed doors. And not only that, just the way they treat animals, too. Yes. I mean, uh, there are relatives. And, you know, before you were colonized and your people were colonized, they were your relatives, too. Right. And we've, we forget that, that, you know, maybe the Native Americans are one of the last uh, fronts to, uh, for water and things like that. But you're an Irish person, right? Scottish. Oh well, yeah. right, never mind. No, but you guys, you guys uh, did the same thing as pagans. You, uh, you know, worshipped uh, Father Sky and Mother Earth, mm-hmm. just like we we do now, and and have done for ten thousand years. And you guys did too. It's just to to reborn and, and remember that. Um, we're all here in this together in the way they treat our relatives. I mean, these pigs in these uh, small little cages, how can that be good to eat when they're like that? It can't. It can't. And the reality is, I mean, okay, so what? You know, there's a lot we just unpacked here in a very short period of time. But what I want you to do is this. Listen to Native, Root, Native Roots Radio every weekday right after my show. That's where you need to be. Haley, nice to meet you. Yes. Robert, you guys are up next. Uh, good to see you. We are going to be back tomorrow. Have a good one. Until tomorrow, see ya.